0: Bloody Autumn! Bloody 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 Good morning, afternoon or evening, wherever you are in the world, and welcome to the Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast. My name is Matt Hudson from What I Watch Tonight, and joining me from across the pond, he's the statesman to my kingsman and a jolly good fellow as well, it's John Burke from Burke Reviews. How are you, my friend? I am doing
1: very well, trying to keep my belly from shaking like a bowl full of jelly. Um, you know, because you said it's a right old fella, just reminded me of the old Christmas song. But yeah, um, doing pretty well. It's uh, it's a little warm here over in Florida. It's like 70 degrees today. Not warm, I guess it's uh, nice is the right description. It isn't. It, yeah, it's not cool. Like last week was nice, and I thought it was nice and cool. It was like 50s most of the time. This week's been 60s and 70s, so a little hotter. Uh, it's supposed to drop in a couple of days though, which I, I like cold weather at Christmas. It makes it feel like well Christmas. So kind of hoping it cools down.
0: Well, we know all about cold weather over here in the in our little island, because the UK it's always it's perennially cold in December, which I like. know you're right. It's nice to walk down doing a school run in the morning, uh, walking past people's houses. They've got the lights up. The trees are all decorated. There's um, Santa Claus, Saint Nick, Father Christmas, whatever you call him, adorning all these houses. I can see my breath. I'm freezing cold, but it feels a lot like Christmas and I wouldn't have it any other way, my friend. And it's not long now until the, the big man uh, drops down everyone's chimney. So uh, festivities are starting to starting to heat up a bit. But um, we're not here to talk about Christmas quite yet. It's almost time for the big man to empty his Present Zach. Um, We're here to talk film on the Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast. And for those new to the show, firstly, welcome. And on this show, John and myself, we pick usually the biggest release of the week. But in these pandemic times, we pick the most interesting release of the week or of previous weeks if we haven't had time to get to it. Uh, And a lot of them have revolved around streaming releases. And this week's no different. So for this week, we are going to give a non spoiler. Review of Sound of Metal, which is directed by Darius Marder, uh, written by Marder and Abraham Marder, which I assume is a relative. And uh, Derek Cianfrance, Derek Chan France, who wrote the story. I hope I've butchered your name there. Uh, it stars Riz Ahmed as Ruben, Olivia Cook as Lou and Paul Racy as Joe. And the synopsis reads, a heavy metal drummer's life is thrown into freefall when he begins to lose his hearing. Uh, critically well received, 97% on Rotten Tomatoes, 81 on Metascore, which is very good. And for the users on IMDb, 7.8, which is very respectable as well. It's streaming across the world on Amazon Prime. This is an Amazon original movie. So, as I mentioned, this is going to be a non spoiler. Uh, review of our thoughts. We're not going to go into any p- specific plot details other than really what the synopsis has just said. The film was about a drummer who loses his hearing, so you can imagine that some of the film was going to deal with the fallout from that. And it does, so uh, we always give our opinion up top. So I liked this film. I did like this film. I like the play on Sound of Music, Sound of Metal. Um, Riz Ahmed is very good in this film. He's very committed to his role. It's nice to see Riz Ahmed leading a film as well, because he's always sort of mm. supporting or uh a very able supporting character actor but it's nice to see him given the lead role and he really does uh do a very good job here i think the film was presented very well i think it's uh it looks good there's some interesting camera work the sound design which i know jb i'm sure you're going to mention the sound design is excellent excellent here Talking about a film which kind of really pulls you in the film it, it it's dealing obviously with Ruben, who's lost his hearing. He's a drummer. This is his lifestyle. He's, he he tours with his girlfriend, uh, Olivia Cooks Lou. She's a singer. He's a drummer. They're touring in a metal band. They live in an RV. That that this is their life. His loss of hearing, you know, drastically affects you know his career, but also his livelihood. He's got to get used to this new way of living. So the film is all about how Ruben deals with this a massive challenge that's thrown his way, Uh, how we can assimilate with uh, other deaf people, how he handles it, how he perceives it, how we perceive it as the viewer as well. And um, it really does give us quite a striking look into the lives of those afflicted with hearing loss or deafness. And it's, in that sense, pretty powerful stuff for the most part. It really is. And the sound design does a really good job of that. Um, The film didn't... Get me as much as I wanted to, and I don't mean that as uh, I didn't get emotionally pulled in because I did. I actually think Riz Ahmed like, he's very good at this, and the way he flits between emotions is very believable. I didn't for one minute think it was stagey or or like, acting. I generally did believe him in the role, but I don't know. The film kind of meandered a bit in places, and it didn't. It, it, towards the end, it got a bit uh, a bit melodramatic almost at the end. But the actual ending, I think, was very well handled. I think Paul Racy as well may also steal the show in this. Riz Ahmed is wonderful, but I think Paul Racy should get a nod at least for his supporting role in some sort of award form because I generally think he was one of the most touching parts mm-hmm. of the film. But um, Olivia Cook, she's she's fine. She's kind of not really given an awful lot to do throughout the entirety of the film. She pops up in parts and when she does she's she's very good but i i I like this film very much i was hoping it would like really really grab me by the by the neck and not let go whereas instead i'm gonna happily say that you know what this is a really good film just just missing something to make it excellent for me but you know it it touches on a lot of um very uh vital themes and messages and i think it does it well it doesn't glamorize anything it doesn't demonize anything either i think they handled it really well here but uh so i thought it was pretty damn good what did you think man uh
1: it's it's fighting to be my favorite film of the year um, Nice. i uh, you know um i don't know how much anyone knows uh for from 2000 to 2010 i was in a lot of rock bands um mm-hmm. and even before that i had started really playing guitar when i was like 13 and i i was pretty much dead set i was going to be a famous musician that was like my career path and i think it was um i don't know if, if you had this in the uk but we had this new show uh that was like syndicated through schools called channel one news we didn't have that no um well i i they i'm pretty sure it was them. they had an interview with flea if i'm not mistaken from red hot chili peppers mm-hmm. talking about like hearing loss and how he started wearing earplugs to like prevent it and uh, I was like, you know, I was afraid of it. Like that was one of my biggest fears, and yet, I rarely wore earplugs. Like every once in a while, I'd wear earplugs, but um, to this day, uh, on occasion, keep in mind, I haven't played in a band since like 2010. So, mm-hmm. but still, on on occasion, my hearing will cut out, and I'll get a high pitched, loud noise in my he- ear. That's all I hear, and um, usually, it, it goes away after a few seconds. Uh, I don't. I've never figured out. Like, there's never been a consistent cause for it's like nothing triggers it it's not like a loud noise and then it happens it just seems to happen and um this movie in some ways is like my horror film it is my nightmare it's one of the things that i've always been really really afraid of i'm i'm afraid of becoming blind and i'm afraid of becoming deaf because i love watching movies and i love listening to music so like the idea of not being able to do those in the same way that i currently do it is one of my biggest fears and this movie hits that in such a real way that that alone was compelling to me. But then the performances and then um I spent some time today like kind of diving deeper into the film. And um this is one of those films that has lingered with me. I haven't been able to stop thinking about it and pondering like its different elements. I do think there's a couple of scenes of melodrama. Um I didn't feel like the ending was one though. That I thought that was a little uh not surprising like in a bad way, but I I wouldn't have thought that's where I would place the melodrama. I think Early on, when he's first discovering the hearing loss, there's a moment where like Olivia Cook witnesses him kind of freaking out, and I thought that was a bit big. But at the same time, I kind of, kind of understand. Especially um, the thing about this movie it it's not just about a guy who is a musician who now has a problem. This is about a guy who has tons of problems, and music was the one thing that seemed to ground him. And now that being taken away from him, how does he not return to the other problems? And I think there's so much there to explore, and the characters in this film feel so rich and deep, and the performances are a huge part of it. And one of the things that I didn't realize, nor did I think about, and this is that kind of where I'm coming from with my place, is that most of the cast is deaf. Uh, these are deaf good actors, shout.
0: yeah, good um, shout.
1: and I, I didn't think about it when I was watching it, um, and that's. Uh, The idea of representation has been really big this year. Like when you look around um, with the movies that I've been watching and exploring, even what I've been teaching in my classes, I've been trying to broaden who is represented on the screen so that my students can see themselves on the screen and things like that. And this movie brought representation in a way that I I wasn't thinking about, you know, not, not visual representation in terms of like skin color or type of person, but um, something that again, you're not thinking about if it's, because you don't see death, right? Like you don't know a person's death by looking at them. And so um, I wasn't even thinking about it when I, when they're doing the sign language or anything. And uh, you mentioned Paul Racy, just phenomenal performance in this movie. I, 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 and that's for me, one of the things that I've, I've noticed about myself in films is that when conflict in film feels slight, as in there's no like big villain, there's no big battle that has to happen. It's, it's very real you know it's a real problem and the conflict feels genuine I love that it, it, nothing felt manufactured about this movie to me and um and yet the story feels so relatable and so and so real and uh seeing him i mean god there are so many little moments in this film that just stood out to me in major major ways uh that i like when I was watching it I felt pulled in But as I've sat, because I watched this on Saturday, so I'm like four days out from having seen this movie. I can't stop thinking about it and I can't stop talking about it. Like I keep trying to get other people to watch it because I want to talk. I've been waiting for this podcast for four days because I've been like, I want to talk about this movie. And even here, I'm not going to get the full catharsis I'm looking for because we don't go into spoilers. And there's things that I just want to like rant on. Um, But yeah, the more I'm sitting, the more I'm like, this is probably my favorite movie of the year because it's left such an impact on me um I do think it it's propelling Riz Ahmed to a, a a level of actor that I was not ready for him to be for me um you know I wasn't super familiar with him I've seen Nightcrawler but I, I saw Nightcrawler years ago I barely remember I remember really liking it but I don't really remember like much of the movie at this point um I did see Sisters Brothers which I think Riz Ahmed was probably one of my favorite parts of that movie actually um and uh there's one more I keep doing this I keep like in Rogue my... One. And Rogue One, yeah, he's uh, Brody,
0: right? Or, or, Brody Rook. Brody Rook, yeah. cargo pilot.
1: Which, you know, Rogue One's kind of also in a similar boat. I remember it, but I've only seen it the one time in the theater, and I haven't gone back to it. Um, <gasps> not, not in any negative way, I haven't gone back to it. Um, I do own it, though, if that makes... Uh, I own all the Star Wars movies, so that's, you know, even the one I hate, Rise of Skywalker. So, you know, <laughs> <laughs>
0: um,
1: which I'm pretty sure I'm never watching that one again. But nonetheless, um, I... I just, I just think this movie is, it's definitely not going to be one that thrills everybody. Like, I totally get that. But um, the sound design alone to put us in the world of this character and, and what they're going through and the experience, it's so well done and well crafted. And uh, Derek C. and France, I'm, a, I'm actually a really big fan of him as a director. Um, he did Blue Valentine. Um, and the life between oceans, um, which I also really, really like. And there's one more that I'm going to forget and I'm going to try to pull him up real fast. But, um, so I was excited. Oh, the place beyond the pines. Um, oh, and I didn't realize he was behind the, uh, the Mark Ruffalo movie from this year that I know this much is true. Um, I need to see that. still. uh, so I, I've liked what his work has been and I just read a, a little brief article from the observer, I think, um, that kind of talks about a sea in France, uh, meeting, martyr is that the director's name yes um and like 13 years ago and this was already kind of in development and cn france basically saying he wasn't gonna make this movie and so martyr took it under his his wing and decided to make this his debut and i think he did an excellent job i think he's nailed his debut i've actually seen in the last couple of days i've seen two directorial debuts one from a known actress and now from martyr who i'm not as i i don't know he's done anything else in film but um, both kind of have blown me away with their debuts. And uh, man, I, I really like, I kind of thought I'd finalize my top 20 uh, or not top 20, my top five for 2020 uh, already. And uh, I think sound of metal is like, just pushed its way to the top. Um, and I do want to say about Olivia cook. Uh, she doesn't get a lot to do, but not in like a negative way. She, her no, character no. is kind of removed from the story at, for points, but I think Cook is really good at, at giving us characters with a clear complexity. Like, there's mm-hmm. so much underneath the surface of her performances um, that even when her characters are underwritten, which happens kind of too much, uh, to be honest. She's not getting uh,
0: any yes.
1: Um But if, like, uh, Katie Says Goodbye was a, a very, very small indie film that did finally get distribution, that uh, she is the lead and she gets to really showcase her, uh, her range – I I think she just does so much just like her look, you just see the pain, you see the history um, and the visual storytelling, as much as the sound design is important here, the visual storytelling is very subtle. Um, you learn a lot about these characters, which is subtle might not be the right word in the sense that like she has very visible scars at one point, And it is definitely not subtly shown to us. Oh, it, yes, yes. It's never brought up in conversation. It's just there and you get who these people are without having to be told who they are before we've met them. Um, And you see the history and there are some very quick little conversational things where you kind of get the vibe of how like the codependency of them. And then that's, that plays a big factor. I mean, this movie has so many layers and I just, uh, uh, I, I, I think the more I'm going to sit on it, the more I'm just going to find, I adore this film because I I just think it does so, so much. Um, If, if you have prime, I beg you to watch this movie because I think, I think it is just masterful in so many ways. Plus like the cinematography is really strong. There's some really cool
0: shots in this oh, film. There's some great camera work in this and like technical work in this. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean the, the look of them playing like the, the opening shot of him, like in all black where you can't quite tell where he is. You just see the drug. It's the poster too. It just looks awesome. Like I love the lighting in that sequence. Um, It, it, it Uh, it feels like we're inside of his head from the beginning of the movie. Like this is his world. This is what he sees. Um, I, I don't know, man. I clearly, I love this movie. I I'm very, very into this. And again, literally the more I think about it, the more I talk about it, the more I am convinced how much I adore this. And I'm going to, I hope this comes to criterion or something, because I'm going to want this on Blu-ray because this is, uh, this is a movie that definitely sits with me it hits a lot of my, my check boxes. It's about rock music, something I'm familiar with. It, it hits a fear um, that I think also without being preachy, it does make you kind of change your perspective on that fear a little bit. Like the fear of being deaf, like reevaluating what's important and how that alters your life. Um, I have a coworker uh, who um, she's ASL certified. And she's like, um, we actually had, uh, I think it was the voice. There's a, a, performer a singer named mandy harvey who is a deaf musician mm-hmm. and i i can't remember if it was the voice or america's got talent she she had gone far in one of those and she came and performed at our school uh like a year ago and my co-worker um signed for her like so as she was like singing she was signing but she was also like signing when people were asking questions and stuff and so i immediately sent my friend this movie i'm just like you have to watch this this is like so up your alley um and then I, I I, when researching for this podcast today. I found a video. Uh, it was an interview from Entertainment Weekly, I think, um, with the cast and kind of talking about like, you know, casting deaf people and deaf representation on the screen. So I immediately sent her that too. I'm like, this is even more reason why you need to watch this movie. This, this is such a, a hot button topic for this person. And I just know that you'll connect with this. And I just feel like there's something for everyone here. And yet it's this—it's a pure indie film. There's no there's no Hollywood blockbuster shine about this. This is an indie film dealing with like a small, very intimate story that is at the same time universally relatable. It, I just,
0: I think it's great. John loves this film, but no, I can see why, mate. And again, I don't disagree with anything you were saying. It just has something for me was missing, but the moments where it was meant to get you, meant to be emotional, meant to kind of make you think it did, and that's all I could ask for. And in terms of the end, I don't think I don't think like the, the very end shot certainly isn't melodramatic, but a little bit, just a scene or two before that um, came across a little bit like that to me. But again, it wasn't to the detriment of the film. I mean, I still think the film was very good. Um, and representation matters, man. We said it all the time. And it's given people in the deaf community a film, you know, full of a cast of uh, people who are deaf, which you don't see. And that's great that they didn't just get people in and have them pretend. Riz Ahmed spent six months learning how to drum and spent probably about the same amount of time learning to sign as well. So he really went all in. And I really dig that level of commitment to the role. And Riz Ahmed, he's a Muslim. He's a a British Asian. It's fantastic to see in a lead role and garnering... um, Talk for the Academy Awards now, whether his name's in the picture or not, I don't know. But this is a film which the Academy might look at and think, you know what, you know, uh, this ticks a lot of our boxes. And Riz Ahmed actually is very good in this role as well. So it'd be good, it'd be nice to see Riz Ahmed Academy Award nominee because I like him. He seems like an honest dude. He seems like a guy who wears his heart on his sleeve, and he is a very good actor. And it's good to see him getting his um, just rewards. In a film which is very good, a film which has got a lot of great uh, messages, like you say, it turns into almost like a rehabilitation movie um, mm-hmm. t- as the film goes on. Again, that's not a spoiler, and but it's not. It didn't ever really feel cut and dried. It didn't. Feel, I never kind of watched us thinking, "Well, I know where it. I know how this is going to end." You know, I mean, I, I can see the signs. Oh, I know it's going to end. This is going to happen. That's going. It didn't have that. Which again, what I appreciated, it wasn't just A to B to C linear. There was. You know, it's not not twists as such, but there were you know, story beats and moments which I think were for the better. Which had they been uh reversed, you know, it wouldn't have been quite as um, emotionally hitting. So I appreciate that they didn't, you know, give us what we thought we might get. So I, I enjoyed that. I liked that. And yeah, there's an awful lot to like. So technically, it's very good. Cinematography and the framing is very good. Of this, I think the opening, like you say, is really good because you just don't know what's going on. You just see this. This uh, bare-chested, blonde-haired, sweaty man just beating away his drum set. And you don't know if he's practising, if this is a dream sequence, or if it's a live gig. It's really, really, uh, really, really well done. And yeah, I like it. I like it an awful lot. The relationship between the two felt believable. How they interact felt real. And you know, 95% of this movie absolutely worked for me. So I'm glad to hear, dude, that you absolutely dig this.
1: Yeah. Uh you know, it is uh it's one of those things where sometimes it just clicks uh in the in the right way, so.
0: Yep, so two thumbs up from John. If he had four thumbs, he'd give you four thumbs up as well. So when we do the bloody awesome movie podcast, kind of best movies of twenty twenty or what we you know perceive to be, don't don't be surprised to see sound of metal up there for JB. Interesting to see though, with two weeks left of the year. If it will be number one, if it will make, or if it will be taken away from those top spots.
1: The hardest part is, it seems like Letterbox has it listed as a 2019 film, which is bothersome to me. Um, I've
0: seen that, but I've always ignored. I've always ignored that. On with WIWT, I just played a simple Empire and Total Film game. This very, you know, two very famous film magazines. If if they firstly, if they say it's released this year, it was released this year because they are UK releases for me. So the sound of sound of metal came out. Was released in the United Kingdom in 2020. Therefore, to me, it's a 2020 release. That's how I do it. Some of them are a bit more bothersome, like La La Land came La La Land, La La Land came out at like the end of middle of December 2016 in the states, and they came out on the first of January 2017 in the UK. So, in my end of year listings, it did go as a 2017 film, even though it is better known as 2016. But for something like this, as far as I'm concerned, this is a this is fully 2020. In terms of wide release,
1: I bet you uh, Chazelle was wishing it was a 2017 film, though. Then he could have maybe won the best picture.
0: <laughs> <laughs> he could, yeah, he could have done. Um, but Damien, if you're listening, maybe next, maybe for your next movie. Certainly not for First Man, anyway. But um, I think that wraps up our conversation of Sound of Metal, sir. Yes, I think so. Go check it out. I do. I recommend it as well. And John absolutely does. So uh, let us know your thoughts if you have seen the film, though, as well. We'd love to hear it. Uh, We move on to our next segment now, which is simply called Chuffed Headlines. Uh, John and myself, we uh, pick at least one headline from the world of movie, news and pop culture that caught our attention. And it could be for any reason whatsoever. So, uh, John, what have you gone with this week?
1: Well, I went with a uh, critics poll from um, I think it's Indie Film uh, IndieWire, excuse me, IndieWire's uh, website. It's the 2020 Critics Poll, the best films and performances according to the over o- to over 200 critics from around the world. I thought it would be a fun kind of ending because we're talking about a movie that we barely got to see in the year that it was officially released. As we we're saying, yep. Um, so I thought we, you know, it might be an eye opening thing of things we maybe have missed out this year.
0: Um, I actually did this the other day. Sorry to interject there. No. I was because uh, something which I'm sure you're going to mention later on. I'm going to jump on as well, but. I was kinda of, it got me thinking, I was like, oh what what have I missed this year that I need to go back and rewatch for review purposes or for end-of-year lists? And um so I actually went back and 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 looked at some of these films, so I uh, some of the films that I've missed. So I wonder if any of them are on this list. I haven't watched them yet, but I wonder if they're on the list.
1: And I will I'm gonna throw out uh, our our friend who we mentioned quite frequently, Big Tuna, uh, we are Ooh. uh Big Tuna and I both are pro members at Letterboxd because we both enjoy the statistics thing. And um it's I think it's worthy to note that uh Big Tuna has had a more than active year in uh, 2020. <laughs> um like I'm trying it's I'm loading up his stats page right now. So uh he has watched from movies released in 2020. Like official 2020 releases, he has watched 552 movies. Jesus Christ, more than 2 a day almost. Right. So for the year he has watched over a 1000 movies to well, you mad case right so, so we love you uh but actually released this year he's watched i didn't even know there were 500 movies released this year <laughs> he has seen 500 which means there's probably more.
0: documentaries and short films in that it,
1: it does it does include okay. some of those and he has hit several film festivals remember he was he covered tiff he covered fantasia fest with us yes. he covered i think the online tribeca he covered i think online south by southwest um, I think there's one or two other ones that I'm forgetting he's covered. Like, he's hit some festivals, so that helps a lot. And he's pretty much watched every screener, I think, that's come his way. So if anyone knows what movies are worth checking out from 2020, I have to say Big Tuna has a pretty good uh, idea. Um, so much so that he was interviewed by Letterboxd earlier this year because of how many movies he'd seen from this year. Christ, uh,
0: was? was that this year?
1: Yeah, yeah, I know. Uh, it, the hard part. <laughs> But so I have a list from him that I'm also going to share of movies that we should check out because it's all okay. relevant. But from this article, um, we got Best Picture nominees were Nomad, Nomadland, which is uh, Chloe Zhao, uh, who I yeah. love her film, The Writer. I haven't seen her previous film, um, but this one's got uh, Frances McDormand and is getting a lot of buzz. The trailer Huge just officially buzz. dropped. I can't wait to watch it, um, but I, I think it's going to not be released until – Next month, like where everyone can actually see it, so te- it will be out of the year for us to see it. Um, one I did see and is actually in my top five, never rarely, sometimes always. Uh, yeah. adore we, that. We
0: covered that, didn't we? Yeah, a couple months yeah, ago, did.
1: it's longer than that, it was like June, but yeah, <laughs> for uh, <God's> sake, <laughs> this, this year is nuts. Um,
0: for, uh, first cow, did you see first cow? I did see first cow again, it, uh, it must have been this year, but it feels a long time ago, and I, I enjoyed it
1: yeah i liked it as well uh now here's some that i've not uh here's one i haven't seen lovers rock which mm-hmm. is the uh, steve mcqueen film if i'm not mistaken um i'm thinking of any things i just recently w- uh watched um for uh the movie podcast movie club podcast man i could not get that out um it was like i kept wanting to say bloody awesome 20 on uh beanpole i don't know what that is time uh Five bloods which i loved uh spike lee film martin eden and but Bacaru bakaru Bacaru? I it's a brazilian film i do know that i don't know anything else about it but um and then uh, the best documentaries because this year has been a really great documentary year like two years ago we had some really great documentaries um and i haven't seen most of these and that's what's crazy is like i've seen 20 documentaries from this year that and of those 20 i think like eight of them i thought were amazing like some of my favorites ever and they're not even on this list so if these are better than that, I need to get on some of these. Um, I've heard nothing but great things about Dick Johnson is dead. Um, I don't know if you know the premise of it. It's kind of a pseudo documentary because uh, the daughter of Dick Johnson poses scenario Like she kills her father many, many times in this movie. Um, so there's like staged deaths of Dick Johnson, but it's all dealing with the reality that her dad is getting old and he's actually going to die at some point, And it's her trying to come to terms with that. Um, gotcha. I've seen so- the poster. Yeah, it's, it's supposed to be amazing. Um, there's a documentary called Time Collective City Hall, The Painter and the Thief, which is on Hulu. Uh, I, I just heard about The Painter and the Thief the other day uh, from Slash Film. It sounds amazing. Uh, very excited to watch that one. Bloody Bloody Nose Empty Pockets. Sounds like they're trying to rip off our podcast name. Um, <laughs> 76 Days, uh, The Social Dilemma, I one I've actually seen is fantastic. Uh, the Mole Agent and Totally Under Control. I don't know any of those really outside of the the two that I stopped on. But I am intrigued by all of these, and I'm, I'm going to try to catch some, as many of them as I can before the end of the year.
0: Uh, it's funny, I just noticed that the, one of the best picture nominees is Time, and the best documentary is also one of them, is called Time. I'm assuming it's the same movie, but that's a good point. Oh, documentary, best, well, we'll find out. Um, yeah, that, a lot of those documentaries I haven't heard of, to be honest. I'm, I've never been, I've said it before, I love a good documentary, but I never. I keep up with film. News or film releases, but never documentaries. And it's usually JB saying, Watch this, watch this, watch this, or uh, when he speaks about them on the pod here. But uh, some of these, I've heard of Dick Johnson is said I've seen the poster, The Painter and the Thief, I have heard of, and Bloody Nose, Empty Pockets, I have heard of as well. Um, it's about a bar that's closing. I think it's in Vegas. Um, but the best picture nominees, man, is Nomad Land. I've heard nothing, nothing but utterly positive reviews that um i, I believe um uh, is it chloe's chloe's is it directs yeah. it yeah yeah, yeah sure. she's a, apparently she's a, a shoo-in for best director this is apparently a shoo-in for best film as things stand let's just hold our hands up remember the oscars are a few months later next year i think they're in april or may and uh francis mcdormand is a, apparently very much in the running for best actress again yeah. so nothing but good things about Land. however we also heard the same thing about Roma, and me and John were really bored by that film. Pretty frank, technically and great. Other I, than that,
1: I want, I, if I remember correctly, I, I think Big Tuna is. Remember, he saw Roma before us, and was both was like, eh, and we all kind of agreed on Roma. Yeah, He's, doesn't usually happened. he usually happened. He, happen. he seems to be the counter opinion of Nomadland too. That it's not not that it's not great, just that it's not as great as everyone's saying. I don't know. I love the writer like so much, and. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: I never so, saw that still.
1: Oh, it, it's it, it's one that not enough people know exists, but I was so blown away by it um, that I was an immediate fan of her. So anytime her name's attached to something right now, I'm like, okay, let's, let's, I want to see it. Um, but just real quick to throw out some of the films Tuna has recommended that I check out um, The Prom, which is on Netflix now. Uh,
0: James Corden.
1: Let Them All Talk. Alex Weedle. Red, White, and Blue. Uh, Lover's Rock, which is, is on this list. Uh, Mangrove. Uncle Frank, which is an Amazon Prime film with uh, Paul Bettany, um, no I'm your I'm your woman, Wolf Walker, and one that I just got a screener for today. I'm trying to recall what it's called. Hang on, pretty young, pretty young something. Man, it's not going to come up right now. It's pretty young female, pretty young woman, pretty young woman. Maybe that's what it's called. Pretty I don't know
0: something. Pretty promising,
1: cool. It's promising young woman. I am. Bad with titles. Promising we oh, yeah,
0: I've heard of this one. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. So uh, it's, those are his kind of recommendations to check out um, on top of those. So lots of movies that we haven't seen. And I, I think that's important because I, I rely so heavily on theatrical experience that I often miss like movies that don't get a big theatrical push. Um, even though I try for indie, I don't have a, a local indie theater, really. Like I have to go 45 minutes minimum to see an indie movie most of the time with few exceptions of those that like, you know, get the buzz enough that our like big multiplexes will stock them. Um, So this year, like it took a little more digging, but there's a lot of content that was released that's worth checking out. And I think this article is a cool kind of like, Hey, look for these.
0: Yeah, it's been a funny year, whereas usually this may have been on our radar. Yeah, I'm such a geek. I have a spreadsheet of monthly releases, which I tick off when I've seen them. I gave up on that about seven months ago because everything was being cancelled. So um, but looks, I'm going to be checking out all of those as much as possible, because when it comes to end of year lists and when it comes to the Oscar predictions and the Oscar race, I want to at least say I've seen them all and have an opinion on them. So um, Nomadland, very much looking forward to watching that. Uh, uh, Chloe Zhao is also going to be directing The Eternals, which comes out in 2021 as well. So next year, apparently. So that's going to be interesting to see what a director of that class can bring to the MCU. And I'm pretty Uh, sure
1: she's already finished because that movie was supposed to come out like a month ago.
0: I think it's coming out in February in the UK at least. So, um, But never really, sometimes, always was brutal, but powerful, very good film i remember we both like that the five bloods we both enjoyed that as well so and first cow sounds like we both enjoyed that i haven't seen the charlie Kaufman film yet i'm going to watch that at some point but um i'm glad that these lists are out because it can now start to focus uh you and i and listeners and other film fans on you know what's getting the buzz there will be other films which aren't on that list which which may get buzz or should get buzz but it's nice to start getting these kind of like laser focused lists now and even going to like gold Derby and seeing what they're uh, saying as well. So it's getting to that time now, JB when it's Oscar nominees time. So I'm, I'm excited, man. I'm excited to hopefully say that one of those 10 is my number one of the year.
1: Yeah, I agree. I I can't
0: wait. Nope. Uh, Well, my one is uh, my, is just as much of a list as well. And I do have a list. I'll tell you right now, but my headline, it comes from last week and it's the Disney investor day, 2020 announcements. Disney put on a 27-hour long live stream with their uh, announcements for what's coming in the next few years across all of the Disney IPs. Disney, Fox, Hulu, ESPN, National Geographic, Lucasfilm, Pixar, Marvel, of course, anything else I've forgotten. They were all segmented up and Disney basically dropped all the bombs, seeing as they just made it almost, almost $10 billion last year in uh box office revenues, eighty three million subscribers I think on Disney Plus. The Disney parks are not exactly they're not exactly running in the red either. Disney have got money coming out everywhere money can come out from. And they're spending it. They're spending it. Not not content with spending like half a half a nation on Fox. They're dropping some serious talent, man. And I've got a list here and I'm going to blast through this as quickly as possible for those who haven't heard or for those who maybe haven't seen all of it or skipped it. And also just so people can just think, gee whiz. Wow. So obviously Disney have taken over Hulu, thanks to Fox. So they've now got all of the Hulu content and the ESPN, which is expanded to ESPN Plus. So they're getting the fourth and fifth season of The Handmaid's Tale. Kardashians coming over. People out there love that. Good for them. Uh, FX transitions over, so Noah Hawley is going to be creating an Alien series based on the uh, the franchise Alien set on Earth with the help of Ridley Scott. That is very exciting to me. National Geographic have got stuff, but they've also got Darren Aronofsky and Will Smith. Yep. Will be travelling the globe on a journey to unlock the secrets of this planet's most extraordinary unexplained phenomena. So that should be a lot of fun. Disney Plus series, we're going to get a Mighty Duck series. Turner and Hooch, uh, a girls' basketball series called Big Shot. Luke Evans and Josh Gad led Beauty and the Beast prequel, focusing Ooh. on Gaston. That's what we wanted. This one's for John. Percy Jackson and the Olympians, TV series. Oh, it's dang, Disney dang. Plus season. Uh, films, Hocus Pocus sequel, Zac Efron's Three Men and the Baby remake. We're getting another Ice Age movie. Night at the Museum animated film. Uh, Diary of the Wimpy Kids getting an animated film. The Tom Hanks, Robert and Pinocchio's dropping on D. David Larry's Peter, Peter Pan with um, Yara Shahidi as Sinkerbell. Disenchanted with Amy Adams, a sequel to Enchanted, is coming out. Sister Act 3, Raya and the Last Dragon with Kelly Marie Tran, Aquafina's dropping on D. And theatres. In terms of the kind of film tie ins, Baymax, Moana, Tiana, and Zootopia are getting animated shows. There's a film coming out called Iwaju, which is a pan African collaboration, which is going to be uh, pretty boss. Incanto from Lin Manuel Miranda is dropping. Up is getting a spin off series. Cars is getting a series following Lightning McQueen. Uh, The next Pixar film is going to be called Luca, about two best friends growing up in Italy. The director of Bao, uh, I think it's a Oscar winning Bao, Domi Shai, is directing Turning Red, which is about a kid who turns into a giant panda. Red Panda, when she gets excited. We're getting a Buzz Lightyear origin story with Chris Evans voicing him. It's apparently based on the to- the human toy that Buzz Lightyear is based on, hence why Chris Evans is back. You like Marvel? Hell, Disney are going to be, you know, they're, they're making it rain. TV series like Miss Marvel, are all now we're going to tie into the films. We're getting a Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special. WandaVision, Loki, Falcon and the Winter Soldier drop trailers. Christian Bale is joining Thor, uh, Love and Thunder as Gore the God Butcher. Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania was announced. Catherine Newton's joining the cast. Jonathan Majors as Kang and the Conqueror. Chadwick Boseman isn't being recast. <gasps> John Watts is directing a Fantastic Four movie. You like Star Wars? You like Lucasfilm? Hey, Kathleen Kennedy's got you covered. Tw- 10, 12... Sorry, things have been announced, including Patty Jenkins directing a Rogue Squadron movie. Hayden Christensen coming back as Vader for Obi-Wan Kenobi. Uh, we knew about the Bad Batch from Mandalorian Season 3. The Andor series has now finally got a name. The Acolyte by Leslie Hedlund, a dark side TV series. Ahsoka, Rangers of the New Republic. It's all coming your way. <sighs> And brief, and there's so much more as well. I wanted to basically rip that list out just to kind of prove how Disney are now flexing, not just their own muscles. Hulu, FX, the Fox uh, IP, everything that came with Fox, they were boasting about everything. Uh, Disney Plus are having their new kind of quote-unquote mature uh, section now. If you're if you if your signups of your settings are adult settings, then you get access to all of the Fox stuff, all the naughty. 15 and 18 rated stuff as well. Disney, Disney plus has already come to play, but now they're taking the lead. This is exciting to me. The amount of stuff they're putting out. Some of it seems a bit pointless. not going to lie. Sister Act three, Hocus Pocus sequel, that Sacafron three men and the baby remake. But mate, dude, for the price that they're going to charge, what? 10 bucks, 10 pounds, eight pounds. I'm here for that. Especially, of course, you know, I'm all for those Star Wars series. Most Marvel series, I'm here for that as well. I'm here for all of it, man. The, the, all of the originals. I'm excited, man. You've just heard me waffle on. I don't know if you saw the live stream, but what are you thinking about Disney? Basically, just you know, taking control now.
1: I, uh, I mean, I've been a subscriber from Disney Plus from day one, um, and I, I do think there's maybe too much content that we just discussed. I didn't watch the live stream. <laughs> um, some of it does feel. Uh, there was a TikTok I saw that I think sums it up best, where it was just like Disney plus green lighting, um, anything. It was just like, uh, so we have this idea for a Lando show. It's like, good, green light. It's like, wait, I didn't even tell you what it was yet. It's like, no, green light. Don't, what's next? And they're like, uh, Ahsoka. Yeah, green light. And they're like, yep. <laughs> what's the, pre- is there anything more of a premise than just the character name? And it's, I don't know. I want to believe.
0: Not for Lando, does not.
1: Uh, well, given the end of Rise of Skywalker, first of all, is anyone surprised that there's a Lando series because they totally set that up in that stupid freaking movie?
0: Oh, dude, I hope oh, just on that, I hope it's Billy D. Williams talking to Naomi Aki's character janna and I hope it's him telling stories of what he used to get up to as a kid. and We flash back to Donald Glover. Oh, Billy, Billy D.'s not the most mobile, you know, no. that's we know that, and so he could be on the ship going to find Jannah's family, but in the meantime, the pastor time. He's telling the Carisian Chronicles and, you know, Donald Glover gets to flash that winning smile, but sorry, sir. Disney, if you didn't
1: have an idea, what Matt just said is what should happen. Cause that's amazing. And I would totally watch that show. Oh, um, and Donald Glover, come on. Like he deserves more time with that character. Like he, he, he tried so hard in solo and he just didn't get a lot to do. Um, I would be down with that. Um, I'm, I'm excited about some of those things though. I, definitely the, uh, the idea of the Buzz Lightyear, like, true story, like the Apollo thirteen version of Buzz Lightyear or whatever, like <laughs> yeah. that's going to inspire the action figure. I love that. I love that we get to to learn about a character that we technically love, but actually will know nothing about. And again, another TikTok person went off on a like why it's one of the best spin-off ideas ever, and I can't agree more. Like it's such a unique way to spin off where it's like, yes, I'm familiar with the concept of Buzz Lightyear, but this guy is not the guy that we think we know because it's not this action figure like it's so it's so unique it's so cool and what a way to build on that that world in a different way because you could technically do that for like woody as well but again not the action figure the guy who maybe inspired like who created the character for the the kids show that we've seen referenced i mean there's so many that opens up this idea that could go so so deep and i i love that concept so much um so uh there's there's definitely some exciting things uh built into that I feel kind of Marvel and Star Wars, maybe I'm a little fatigued at this point with both of them, which I never thought I would say, but there's just so much of it. And all, all I saw from Disney, it reminded me of when the new 52 DC comic book series launched, when all it felt like was like, you just gave me 52 things you want me to juggle. And I don't know if I'm up for it. And that's kind of how I feel right now. It's like, that's yeah. that's a lot of content. And I, while I love the idea of having just this, Constant like oh if if Mandalorian's off well, I can watch this series, it also feels like a lot of work and I don't know if I'm up for that challenge of keeping up with all of it so I I probably won't like I haven't watched any of the trailers uh, for like the Marvel series that have dropped um I, I'm just I just can't it just feels like so much and I'm like okay I haven't even read all the titles to be honest like I've I've seen the graphic where it's just like all of the titles on and I'm like that's a lot that's good enough I get the idea a lot of stuff is coming out. Um, but at the same time as a subscriber, I can't complain about a lack of content, right? Like there's definitely content for the money that I'm paying. So
0: yeah, considering that the Mandalorian's has basically been carrying Disney plus for the last year and a bit, it's nice to know they're actually going to put more content out, but I, I mentioned on the sessions this week that where, cause my co-host Luke also said he's slightly concerned that this is too much. This, you know, how are they going to make this good? You know, all of these consistently good. You don't want to, is it just going to be quantity over quality? But my retort to that was uh, that I agree, but also most of these, if not all of them, they're mini series, they're event series. You know, Obi-Wan's going to be between four and six episodes and then it's done. Lando is an event series. It's probably going to be six to eight episodes done. The only ongoing series in Star Wars ones will be Ahsoka and the Rangers of the New Republic because they're going to cross over with the Mandalorian. So they'll be the only ones which are potentially you know, longer running. But the rest of them, they're all short, man. They're all like the most 12 episodes and then it's done. So whilst it is a commitment, obviously, to sit down and watch them, it isn't a case of like, well, that's only the first season. God damn. It's like, no, this is it. You get eight episodes and then you're done with. And then we'll announce another 15 next year.
1: That that actually does make me feel a little better, to be honest, like that that reevaluation of it.
0: But there is still a lot, though when you look at the list, as for, as for Marvel, I assume they're all series, but I haven't looked as much into it, but, um, the Darren Aronofsky and Will Smith document, uh, thing on National Geographic, I'm here for that, because it just sounds bonkers, but, um, again, let us know what you think, guys, is it too much from Disney, plus the Alien series sounds good, um, is it too much, not enough, or you're just not bothered by Disney? Uh, do let us know, and we'll give those social links out at the end of the episode, but, uh, did you have any more to add to that, JB? No, I, I'm i good. Then we shall move on. We shall uh, get in the carriage and move along to the media consumption section of the Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast. Uh, and here's where John and myself, we have a little chat about what we've been catching up on in the last seven days since the last episode, whether that's film, TV, video games, podcasts, which aren't ours, uh, books, comics, music, anything pop culture related that we've uh, indulged in to pass the time. And John has always got a bloody awesome list. So John, what have you been checking out, man?
1: Yeah, I've got a diverse list this week too. Um, So my normal, I've been watching or listening, excuse me, to the blank check podcast. Um, And uh, with that, I, um, this week they did a Christmas Carol um, from Zemeckis because they're still going through the Zemeckis thing. And as a result, I've seen a lot of Zemeckis movies this year. My, uh, he's, he's the most seen director of mine this year. Um, and uh, according to letterbox. Um, so uh, I watched some rewatches, uh, how, how the Grinch stole Christmas, the Ron Howard take. Uh, I watched that the other night. I watched Disney's Mulan, the live action. That's not a rewatch. Mm. That was a first time watch. Um, I, for, um, I thought it was a little boring and uh, I thought some of the visual effects looked kind of bad, um, but not, not a bad movie overall. Uh, and I think the message is strong that like the women empowerment message they do. I haven't seen the animated one still, but they definitely do some, some different things. And I don't know that they all work. Uh, one thing that really bothered me is they went for this more grounded take, which I was all about. Um, because that's been my biggest complaint with the live action remakes is that they're just remaking the animated movie instead of like doing something new with the story. This one, they, they tried to do something new. I just think they went in a weird direction with it. Um, that doesn't totally work. But, you know, um, I watched one night in Miami, which is the Regina King directorial debut, uh, loved that movie very, very much. Nice. And, um, I watched, uh, I did, I, I don't remember if I said this on the last episode, because I can't quite tell when I watched something at this point, because time is a construct, but, uh, I did rewatch, um, Zemeckis's Christmas Carol. And then I, I watched in like two weird chunks. I watched the first half of Beowulf and then like a week later I finished it. So I just finished it the other night, um, <laughs> how was it it's it's pretty rough man uh i'm not super familiar with beowulf to be honest like i've read it like probably in high school i didn't teach that one when i was teaching english um i'm not super familiar with the poem um it's it's man it's weird uh it's weird um there's some weird choices zemeckis makes in that movie for sure uh and it was it was long it i was like i was ready for it to be over like i was like come on movie let's end um but yeah, uh, I, it was on Netflix, so I was I was happy I didn't have to pay for it. So, um, or technically, I guess I already paid for it. However, you want to look at Netflix, but it wasn't like a new purchase or something that I'm now having to regret. So, um, and then uh, one of my friends and listener of our podcast uh, recommended that I check out the series on Netflix called Dash and Lily, which is a like a Christmas romantic comedy, uh, teen series. So it's like it's meant for like twenty somethings more or less um it's kind of got like a mystery romance vibe to it like not like a mystery like something's been wrong but like um a chance meeting and then them trying to like find each other through this kind of very high concept uh premise that i enjoyed a lot it was a lot of fun um the lead actor that plays dash uh is in um paper towns and the kings of summer um and he's in a few other things he's in a uh the Ben Stiller movie with his son going to college. I can't think of what it's called. Oh
0: God. Uh, No, I can't think,
1: but I I really like that actor and he's great in this. Um, And I I was not familiar with the actress who played Lily, but loved her. Thought she was terrific. It's a very fun series. It's like eight episodes. It's very short and easy to digest. And it's set at Christmas time. So it's actually really appropriate for right now. So um, I finally finished Titans and i'm so so glad to be done with titans um it's (laughs) it's so it got better towards the very end of season two but it's still like it it just feels so angsty like it's if teenage angst could be put on a screen it's it should be called Zack snyder's titans because that's what it feels like it's just it's so frustrating um but at the same time, I do love elements of it, so I kept watching it. But I'm I'm glad to be done with season two. Season three is going to come out at some point. I'll have to watch it. But glad to be done with it. Um, uh, before I talk about the last show, because that's the one that we we keep having crossover on. Uh, I've been listening to a lot of music. Taylor Swift dropped her second album this year, third album in two years. Um, and this was her second secret album from 2020. Uh, pandemic has inspired her. It's great. I love it. Big big fan of Taylor Swift, and I hope she keeps doing stuff like this. Um, then I, I, became a fan of k um, through Grandson, who I've got you listening to, I think a little bit.
0: Yes, I listened to last week. Yes.
1: Um, I'm a big fan of Grandson and k uh, showed up on a song called Peaches with him that he did. I think earlier, I think it was earlier this year. I honestly can't remember, but, um, she's also on a song with him, uh, and ex-ambassadors called Zen that I absolutely love. And so I've been listening to some of her stuff and I, I, I like a lot of her songs and she just dropped an EP called Don't Judge a Song by its Cover. Which I think might be the best cover album name ever, mm-hmm. and um, it's just three songs. But it's uh, Offspring's Self Esteem, Green Day's Brain Stew, and Limp Biscuits Break Stuff, which is the big revelation. And they are the thing I love about it is they're not covers where she's going for a similar sound. She's almost like changing their genres, and uh, she's definitely re reorganizing like words, and she's adding her own kind of take on things. I love them. I've listened to it like six times because it's only three songs. And I just keep like putting it back on. Um, I, I think she's just really unique. She's got a really cool voice. It's very distinct. Like, I think you'll either like it or hate it kind of thing. It's it's not a, she doesn't sound like anybody else. Um, she kind of reminds me of Phoebe when she's got the cold on the episode of <laughs> Friends, um, where it's like a little nasally, but it's at the same time, there's something like very like appealing about it it's weird but um and then youngblood had a new album come out last friday who i just got you into youngblood um and yes. the new album is terrific uh, i i've listened to it only once so far but i really really liked it um i was very excited because i wasn't sure i haven't liked all the singles that are off of it but i like the album as a whole um and then uh this is another we have two crossovers this week um i discovered today while doing some research on sound of metal <laughs> that riz ahmed is also a rapper and had an album come out this year that is a concept album about him breaking up with Britain. Um, So his own Brexit, if you will. Um, And uh, it's, it's, I only got through half of it so far, not, not as a criticism. I just only had time to listen to half of it before we recorded. Um, But I liked the half that I heard. I don't know if it's something I would listen to normally. It is a concept album and that's often a little deeper than what I would say is like casually throwing it on in the background. Um, but I did find it, it's, it's very well written. Uh, I like the kind of allegory that he's going for with this uh, relationship. I don't get all the context of it. Um, I don't know all of his like personal struggle and, and whatnot, but, um, I, I think it was pretty creative. Now I saw that you listened to it as well, right?
0: Yes. Well, JB sent a message earlier on. It's like, I've just heard of this. And it was uh, Riz Ahmed, The Long Goodbye is called. And I was like, this is his second album. I didn't realize he had the first one, but the first one came out like, seven years ago, I think. And apparently... That one was fairly well-received, but it was, you know, a bit raw and a bit clunky in places, whereas this one seems as apparently a lot more smoother, more uh, less, or in fact less smooth with the first one. Apparently it felt too scripted, like the raps and the delivery. This one feels more real, if you will. yeah, you know, I listened to it this afternoon, and I liked it, man. I agree with you. It's not something which I'd probably be like, do you know what? iPod, I want, I'm going to listen to that particular song. But when you flow it through, when you play it as one whole concept album as it's, as it's uh, intended to be. It works. It's bloody angry. He's a man. Like I said earlier on, he wears his heart on his sleeve and he's an angry, he's angry Riz Ahmed on this album. And, you know, he's a British Asian man talking about the state of the United Kingdom and that the attitudes of some people, uh, Brexit and how that has um, similar to other things in the world, brought out the worst in some people, especially when it comes to attitudes, then, you know, Riz Ahmed's had enough. Basically, he's had enough, mm-hmm. and he's decided to get, to go out, go into the studio, and tell everyone about it. And, um, yeah, it's some very decent songs on it. It starts off really strong. I think actually, the first few songs are really strong. Yeah, um, but no, it was a it was a good little find that one, man.
1: Yeah, uh, and I, I actually, um, kind of weird. I, I follow Riz Ahmed on on Instagram. I follow like any celebrity on Instagram, basically that I think might provide us with content at some point and i happened to see his story and on the story he had posted a review of the album and i was like i assume when i first saw that it was a review i assumed it was about sound of metal so i was like oh i wonder what they said i'm like wait a minute this is about an album so that's what uh led to the search so his own instagram account kind of pushed me in that direction but again it was like it wasn't him talking about the album as much as it was just like him like hey look i had a positive review about my my album
0: i'm like you have an album. I am a tree. So what's going on here? Well, it's fairly well received, dude. So just um, on that very quickly, Metacritic gave it 83 out of 100 and any decent music, 7.8. Uh, and across the board, NME, The Guardian, Telegraph, four out of five. Clash gave it nine out of 10. So loud and quite eight out of 10. Pitchfork, 7.4. So, you know, it's got very decent reviews and, and that's nothing to be sniffed at as well. He's a multi-talented man and... You know, those reviews speak for themselves. Uh, but you also sent me the k covers to listen to. And I did listen to them this afternoon. John sent them to me yesterday and had to remind me today to listen to them because occasionally I forget. Um, but I listened to them today and actually sent John a voice message so he could hear it playing. And I enjoyed them, yeah. I know what you mean about the voice. It, it jived for me. I, I liked it. But I can see some people listening and thinking, nope, not for me. Because it kind of ranges from that kind of uh, breathy, kind of vocal yes to uh a more of a i don't want to say the word gruff but a raw vocal and they kind of and at times the two meld blend in together which is quite nice actually um but it worked for me and the music works for me as well like the way that the the presentation the music the arrangements its not just a straight up cover that's like john said there's more to it and um yeah I, i dig it so i'm glad i got to hear that so yeah check out the k flay um don't judge a song by its cover ep i haven't heard the new taylor swift album though i've heard very very good things about it and the fact that it dropped with about like 12 hours warning to be fair is a hell of an achievement to get two at least two critically acclaimed albums out in one in the space of six months Like one that kind of follows the other is you know it's a hell of a job so uh well done swifties out there um me I've watched the same as John, so we'll have a quick little chat now. Mandalorian, the penultimate episode of season two, chapter fifteen, "The Believer." Uh, Bill Burr front and center. I thought this was going to be uh, kind of like a part one and part two for the season's finale. It's not, but it didn't didn't hinder the episode in any way. Uh, short term, short form for me. I actually thought this episode was bloody good. Really, really enjoyed it. Rick found me who were, like directed the hell out of this. Very tense, and very good performances, especially from uh, Richard Brake as one of the Imperial officers. Bill Burr was surprisingly the emotional crux of the story. I never thought I'd ever say that. Yeah. Um, Boba Fett looks hot, and I, I you know there was a lot about lot about this. I liked it's the first episode where we don't see a certain someone, and you know didn't didn't hinder whatsoever. Didn't hinder whatsoever, and this kind of felt like what the Mandalorian threatens to be before the first episode came out, this kind of episode. But I dug it. It sets up the season finale, which is coming tomorrow, so very well, and I cannot wait for the season finale. I've been speculating very irresponsibly about what may happen on that. However, I do think it's going to be a, a blast. But uh, episode seven then, of season two, I thought it was really quite good. May not, but Maybe not my favourite of the entire series, but, I still, but none of them have been bad this season for me. But what did you think, man?
1: I also liked it. And actually, I I knew I was aware that we didn't see a character, but it didn't really register at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's a, a compliment to the show that I was so captivated by what was going on. And I also thought, without getting into anything from the episode, but Pedro Pascal finally got to do a little more in a good way. Like, I don't think he's been doing bad. I think he's been doing pretty amazing, given a the helmet, right? Um, but I, I think this, this episode let us dive a little deeper and Bill Burr, man, his best performance ever. Like he has he's like emotional quick. elements, like he's deeper. He's not just there for quirky. He's there for humor, but he's not just there for humor. And I am actually, I've, he's, I've, I've seen him live. I'm a big fan of his stand up. Uh, I, obviously there was, he was a little bit. He is a little controversial
0: anyways, especially right now. Um, this is kind of M.O., isn't it, for the most is, part? But but he's he People he, he say he's real, but it is quite controversial. But I,
1: I think, I don't know, I've always felt like he's he's more woke than he's given credit a lot of times. And um, he, he does say what he thinks, but I, I think he often says it. He says it about everything. That's always been my kind of take on him. He's not limited to a single perspective. He kind of is just like real about everything. And so sometimes he says things that are controversial because he doesn't hold back. But I, I was impressed with him in this episode. There were moments where I was just like, wow, there's like more than just snarky sarcasm coming out of him. And that's he's doing a really good job with it. And I was impressed by that um i liked the episode uh it was a lot of fun definitely um maybe not a lot of fun but it was a really good episode i thought uh a lot of stuff happens it's compelling um i think there's a lot more emotions in this episode other than just you know oh baby yoda you know so mm-hmm. uh good, good on them they're they're the show seems to be evolving in a lot of ways which i think is great
0: and necessary as well because it was following a template to start with um which started to get a little bit noticeable and a bit stale but even though the episodes were great. But yeah, Bill Burr is the emotional backbone as one scene with him in it and an Imperial officer, which is you know, uh-huh. actually excellent. One of the best scenes in the series for me. Um, so yeah, sets up the finale. And by the time this show comes out, we'll be 24 hours away and hopefully we'll be crying tears of joy when it comes out. Uh, I also watched Mandalorian uh, chapter 10, which is episode two of uh, season 2 The Arm with the spiders again because... I just wanted to see some horror in space and I really, really enjoyed that episode. I really like that one. Um, Riz a Long Goodbye, as I mentioned. And in terms of films, a uh, kind of mixed bag. I re-watched Misery this week, the Kathy Bates, James Caan film for Death by Pods. We're covering that. Uh, always always a pleasure to go back and re-watch that film. Um, Ammonites. I watched that, the Sersha Ronan, Kate Winslet film. Uh, and I thought it was all right. I thought those two were obviously they're the pull in the film. You go to watch the film for them and they're great in it. But I wasn't uh, as invested as I wanted to be. And it was, you know, look it, it was a lot of looking nice, but I, don't know, I didn't really get too invested in it. It's just fine. Uh, I watched Antebellum, the Janelle Monáe oh. um, horror film, which had an incredibly good trailer, I think. Uh, which kind of gave nothing away and got people talking about it. But I think the reason it gave nothing away because there wasn't really much to give away in terms of the film is fine. It's I think it's like 26% or 27% on RT. And I don't, I wouldn't put it that low similar to Hillbilly energy. I'd probably put it more about 50%. I didn't hate antebellum. Some people seem to really enjoy saying this film is the worst film of the entire year. I don't think it was. I just think it's extremely messy, very messy and, what it aimed for just didn't work whatsoever. If you want to be like a new get out, you've got to have me something special. And this film isn't, but it's not bad. It's not bad. I mean, it's fine, but you know, people, I I can see why people really don't like it, but I thought it was okay. Um, But more negative than positive. And I also rewatched the Lord of the Rings trilogy, which I'm about to get to in a minute about that. But uh, so that took up, my entire weekend pretty much yeah more films this weekend than normal um and a few tunes thanks to jb so john keep the musical recommendations coming please
1: did you uh when you watch lord of the rings did you watch the original cuts or the extended edition
0: i'm gonna get into that in a minute my friend
1: okay 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 because uh i have never seen the extended editions and they're on sale right now on voodoo but i already own the regular ones on voodoo and I don't want to like I feel like I should be able to upgrade for like a lesser price. Cause it's thirty bucks for the trilogy with the extended edition. But I already own most of them. You know what I'm saying? Like, granted, there's scenes I don't own, but I just want to buy those scenes. So, like, can I get a discount? Is what I'm saying, Voodoo. Like, let me pay like eight dollars and give me the additional footage that I'm missing. Cause it seems unfair that I have to buy them a second time. Um
0: But yeah. I think we're starting something new here. Where we can just go on to um, your streaming service of choice and pick scenes to buy. Imagine that. Well, look, you say that. But here's
1: the thing. iTunes, for years, if you bought music, right? Like if you bought a song off an album and then later decided you want to buy the album, they discounted the album. Discounted
0: the amount of songs you bought off the album, yeah.
1: Right. So I feel like two things should happen with streaming services. If I rent a movie, I should have the option to buy it for the, the difference. So if I paid $3 to rent it, I should have like a week to decide. I want to own it for like the three dollar discount. You know what I'm saying? And and if I own a version of the film and an extended edition comes out, I should be able to upgrade for like a lesser price. That's what I feel like right. should. Have.
0: I I I totally agree with you on that. I think it probably it probably only worked for newer releases, which is sad. So if they um let's say uh I don't know Rogue Squadron by Patty Jenkins comes out in 2023. Bad example, I know. And then. Six months later, they bring out the extended director's cut. Then I reckon you should just be able to upgrade for the you know like four or yeah. five bucks difference. But sure. I guess Lord of the Rings. But if you could do, you should do. But um, I guess that leads us on to our next segment, which I'm going to throw over to JB. But the segment which we always end on is well, you know, if you know the show, you know what you know what it's all about. You know that me and John we're hard workers. You know we're good guys. We're bloody awesome. But it ain't always easy to stay bloody awesome. You don't just, you can't just wake up, you know, brush your teeth and think, you know what, I'm bloody awesome today. You have got to work at it. Yeah, it's it's hard work, and we like to think that we're very good at being bloody awesome, but we've got to do things during the week to keep those levels up. So, John, what the hell have you been doing this week to remain bloody awesome?
1: Well, it's that time of year where my wife and I hop in the car, and we used to take our daughter with us, but she's gotten, I think, maybe two too cool for going to look at Christmas lights. <laughs> never um, too cool. And this year, I kind of thought it would be, like, more because people can't do much else, so why not decorate your house kind of thing, right? And uh, we had a local church uh, did this um, drive through like, we thought it was it's it was said christmas light so we thought it would be like a whole neighborhood like maybe they got this neighborhood like set up and we would drive through like an organized tour but it wasn't that instead it was like a, a live nativity scene thing with like four different stops and they would like read part of it while you would stop there and you were paired by car so it was still a cool, a cool experience it was a lot longer of a wait than we were expecting i think we were like in the line for like an hour before we got to the actual like event um And yeah, it was still, it was really cool. And again, it was, it set the right kind of tone. And then we went to our, there's a house that actually one of my graduates um, lives in and decorates with her family. Uh, It's like, it's, it's a, it's a type of decorating where like the news covers it because there's so many lights and there's so many things going on. Um, And so we went and we, we, we uh, sat through that the other night. We like, we got a coffee and we went and drove around and saw some Christmas lights and kind of got into the season um, it's important to note my wife is a huge love of Christmas. Like we're literally November 1st, our Christmas tree is up and we start decorating um, because if it were up to her, it would probably never be taken down. Um, so, you know, it was uh, getting us closer to Christmas. We needed to go check out some lights. So that's what we did.
0: Sweet. Um, I'm always up for some Christmas lights, mate. Um, I know what you mean. Cause I'm going to next week, I'm going to go on a little, Get in the car and go and check out the Christmas lights in the surrounding areas. And you're never too old. You're never too cool to check out Christmas lights. So let that be a warning to all of you teens out there. Yeah. Uh, in in a few years' time, you'll be the ones driving yourself around because you'll be back in love with it. But exactly, um, that sounds pretty cool, man. Uh, wow. You asked, You mentioned extended editions of wow. Lord of the Rings. That's how I've been staying bloody awesome. Not just by watching the film, but the intestinal fortitude required to get through all of the extended editions, but also the special editions on the DVDs where I went back and watched all of the bonus features and I kind of reignited the passion for filmmaking. I'm not a filmmaker, and I'd never attest to be one, and I never will be one. But something I know John mentioned to me earlier on is something I've just suddenly started to do again, is watching all the craft and the love that went into making these films. This is going to sound like a weird sort of allegory, weird connection, but kind of made me think, I want to. I, I need to. I need to start writing about film again. So watching like the masterful Lord of the Rings films made me realise that how much I love film for one, but also just the work that went into it and like how much passion went into people making this film. Made me just kind of think, do you know what? I could. I could write about how much they loved doing these films, and it's made me want to go back and doing reviews again. Because um, I mean, I did one for Mank the other day and Tribes, a very good short film, which I believe is hopefully eligible for the short Oscars uh short film Oscar Award. Um and I know JB you mentioned earlier on as well that you've done your first review in months this week, didn't you?
1: Yeah, just like literally this this afternoon.
0: So we're getting the we're slowly getting that um love back. But watching those Lord of the Rings films, man, it just ignites the passion for film again, man. For me anyway. Um watching that and the special features and it just made me feel those films make me feel good. The music and everything, they just make me feel happy being in the shire makes me feel good so staying bloody awesome by checking out the craft of three near masterpieces and falling in love with the filmmaking aspects and driving my backside into writing about film again so um staying bloody awesome by getting the love back for film
1: i i think that is a great way and it's something we need for this podcast we need to stay with our our passion for sure yes yeah,
0: so it would be bloody awful movie podcast if we stopped watching films. it <laughs> just be us just talking about the films we haven't seen. But that is that episode uh, of the bloody awesome movie podcast completed now. Our review of Sound of Metal. Again, let us know what you thought. We'll give the details any second now. But next week, we're going back in time a little while to a film you may have heard of. The film that was supposed to save theatres all around the world and didn't. We're going to be talking about Tenet, obviously Christopher Nolan's Tenet, It's now being released on VOD uh, across the world. So we didn't traverse the COVID-filled cinemas and theatres for this. So we waited for VOD. It's now out. We've both purchased it. We're going to watch it and talk about it next week and give our potentially mild spoiler or full spoiler review of it uh, or maybe even non-spoiler. We'll discuss that off air. So ten it next week. But if you want to talk to us more about what you've just heard, you can do on Twitter. We're at BAMP underscore podcast, which is B-A-M-P underscore podcast. John, where are we on Instagram?
1: We're at Bloody Awesome Movie Pod on Instagram.
0: Uh, Facebook, if you still use the old book face, just search Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast. You'll find us on there. Uh, if you want to find me online, you can do it, at whatIwatchtonight.co.uk. Uh, and on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd, just search for What I Watch Tonight, and you'll find my face on there. John, where can the world find you? You can find me at
1: burkerviews.com and on all the social media where my dog is. Barking. Stop barking. Um, At Burkerviews. She's been so good. Um, at Burkerviews on Twitter, Instagram, Letterboxd.
0: Genuinely doesn't want you to say where they woke and find you, John.
1: Oh, man. I don't know why she's barking. Also. She's been in the room the whole time. <laughs>
0: hey, hey, woof, woof dog whisperer there you go well with that and the barking as always stay bloody awesome and keep watching movies woof Blood blood. blah <laughs> blah <laughs> blah 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 blah